Welcome to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, the show for business owners looking to acquire, scale, or exit a business. Before we get on with today's program, we just wanted to let you know that the Buy, Grow, Sell team have been working really hard to come up with more resources that add more value to your journey. This includes a range of webinars, tools, and other events, including an online summit where we get some of the industry's leading experts to come and share their insights. If you'd like to know more, go to buygrowsell.com forward slash events. Enjoy the show. My next guest is Brian Clayton. And Brian is a wonderful bloke. I really enjoyed chatting with Brian. He's got a, such a, a fascinating story. Now, straight out of school, starting a, bu- a business called Peachtree, which was a landscaping business, which he ultimately built up to a, an eight-figure turnover, 150 employees, very successful company before he ultimately exited. Now, what I love about Brian was his ability to take all of that experience and not just adapt it into building an even better business in the future, but how he actually used it to build himself into a, a better person. You know, taking the learnings, the ups, the downs, and how to continually evolve as a human being and an entrepreneur, I think was was something that I found deeply refreshing and and touching. It was something I, I really resonated with me. You know, as we all go on our journey and and take the good and bad uh, sort of cycles of life. Brian jumped out of landscaping and then ultimately went on and started a tech company and had to teach himself an entirely new space and and really kind of reinvent himself. Look, this is a story I think that every single business owner and entrepreneur is going to be able to relate to. You know, there's things from how we manage our health, mental and physical, right through to how we have to evolve to continually succeed and, and take our business and our life to the next level. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. This is Brian Clayton. Hey, Brian, welcome to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, really looking forward to unpacking your story. Um, perhaps, perhaps I could get you to kick off and, and just give us a little bit of your sort of background and, um, and what led you to starting the, uh, well, I'm pretty sure you started, right? You started Peachtree, Peach Tree, the landscaping business. So yeah, why don't you give us a little bit of background and kind of what led to that part of your story? Yeah, yeah. So 22 years uh, of, of business ownership. I've never had a job. I've always worked for myself. I'm currently CEO of a company called GreenPal, which is a mobile app in the United States. Works like Uber or Instacart, but for lawnmowing services. Uh, GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success in the U.S. We're nationwide now with around 300,000 people using our app to order wow. lawnmowing Congrats. services. Yeah, uh, it's, been, it's been a journey getting the app going from scratch. Um, and it was kind of, I got started, I guess you could say I was naive in, in a sense. Uh, when, if I'd known how hard it was going to be to build this business, I, I never would have done it. Uh, <laughs> reason being, my first business was actually a landscaping company. I, I started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash and stuck with this little lawn mowing business all through high school, all through college. And uh, over a 15-year period of time, built it into a, a real company, eventually getting it over 150 employees, got it over eight figures a year in revenue. One of the larger uh, landscaping businesses in the southeastern United States. And then in 2013, it was acquired. It was acquired by a national company in the space. And so after I sold that business, it was like going through hell and back. 
I thought I knew everything there was to know about starting about running a business, a successful one anyways. And, and, uh, and I thought, well, uh, I got bored and I thought, what am I going to do with my life now? I thought, well, I'm going to start a tech company because that'll be so much easier. Boy, I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> tech business is 10 times harder than in a traditional yeah, yeah. I, I call it entrepreneurial blindness, right? Like, I mean, it's it. I actually think it's um, I don't know, is it genetic? It's something in there, but it's actually really important, you know, because if we didn't have that, half of the great ventures and businesses out there today wouldn't have been started. It's so true. Uh, it, you know, every movie you've ever seen about entrepreneurship, or every book you've ever read about entrepreneurship, they fast forward over the boring part of grinding the business out, building it from scratch. You know, if the social network uh, was really accurate about how Mark Zuckerberg built Facebook, it would just basically be like him in front of his laptop coding 13 hours a day, you know, and nobody would watch that movie. So it's, it's like the, the fun and sexy stuff, you know, is, is a very small piece of it. And that, you know, that's what seduces us into getting into the game. If, it, if we had known how hard it was going to be, we wouldn't do these things. So it, it's a good thing. I, I love that actually that that example you're giving. It's it's, it's actually funny. A, a friend of mine said when he first heard the podcast, um, he said, "You know what I love about the podcast is he goes, I was I was half expecting the typical Instagrammable bullshit that people put out there about business. You know, hey, I have ADHD. I started a business in my parents' garage. I add water, shake, and now I've got a unicorn." Um, yeah, right. where, where actually I wanted to hear the middle part, like how did you get from point A to point B and what were some of the lessons and learnings and da 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 So, you know, so that's, that's you know, I, I love that because, you know, we're obviously on the same page here and, and, and that is the story and the detail that business owners and entrepreneurs need to hear, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, when you're learning from people and trying to learn from like a podcast like this one, uh, I find it's helpful to, to look at someone who's one level ahead of you in the game. Uh, somebody, like if you look at business as Super Mario Brothers, 10 levels of the game, and, and, and maybe you're stuck on level four, try to find people who are on levels five, six, and seven and learn from them. Uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're at a million dollars a year in revenue, try to study people who are at three or four uh, or, or maybe eight or eight figures and, 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 and learn from them so you can get to the next level. Um, I find like... Like I was listening to an interview with uh, uh, Brian Chesky, uh, who's the CEO and founder of Airbnb uh, on uh, uh, Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman. And it was interesting and it was cool and I love the stories, but but Brian Chesky might as well be on Pluto uh, compared to, to where I'm at. You know, Green Pal's doing 20 to $30 million a year in revenue. So I need to be learning from people who are at nine figures and who are at 100 because that's what I'm trying to get to. So that's the beauty of a podcast like this one. You know, you can really zone in to somebody who's just one step above you and learn from them and how to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do love that. That's It's a great analogy. And you're right. It's, you know, if you look too far ahead, the advice they're giving is not practical, right? Like I think whether it's a podcast like this or you're, you know, in a coaching session or whatever it is that you're doing, you kind of just want to be able to walk out with one or two key things that you can implement, right, and actually do something. Actionable. T- take yeah. action, right? It's, um, exactly. Actionable things. Uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony Robbins are great, but they're not going to actually give you the practical things that you need to be doing in your business to get to the next level. For sure, for sure. And I love that, I, I, you know, Mario Brothers, I love the reference because I'm, I'm a little bit of a gamer at heart. I do, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the video generation as well. So, you know, I don't mind my gaming. And um, 
but but you know you you take that analogy of levels and and I find I've looked at so many business help business owners across so many industries and those levels or barriers are are all slightly different you know and for some I've I've had business owners who will say to me I'm sort of stuck in this kind of 15 to 20 million revenue space because and we've tried to push through that 20 mil but the, just the dynamics for the business were a bit different and you know we keep getting pushed back down we keep experiencing different problems sometimes it's people sometimes it's just the way the operations work in other ways it's, it's just funny where those kind of natural barriers sit with different sectors or different business types so you know i think it just goes to show you know there's no point to, talking to airbnb if you're running a lawn care business necessarily because the, the the principles of some of the things they're doing in their business may not actually apply Exactly, and 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 what you're what you're saying is is a challenge, and and I think I think one thing that I, I I see a lot with new entrepreneurs is they're worried about problems and challenges that are three or four levels beyond where they're at. You know, like they're they're trying to get a business going from scratch, they're trying to get their first hundred k in revenue or five hundred k, and they're worried about six, seven, eight, nine level related problems. You know, they're worried about what their brand strategy is or their cultural strategy, or if they should hire a head of PR and things like that. These are, these are problems way down the, the path in the video game. Just focus on one level at a time, throw all of your intensity, get past that level, and then worry about those the final boss on level seven when you get there. And that's what holds up a lot of entrepreneurs to, to progress to get to eight figures. And, and, and like I'm trying to get to nine figures now, worry about one level at a time, throw all your life's intensity into that, and then worry about the other things later. Yeah, totally agree. That's good. It's great advice. It's um, it, it it's interesting because you know our our main business is Exit Advisory Group. We do talk a lot about exiting and stuff like that. But with all the guests we've had on this show, and I often ask them, and and maybe it's a a, a good question for yourself too, Brian, in in terms of like Green Pal. But I'm always interested in whether people started a business with the end in mind, and and without trying to preempt your answer. But I I find. The majority of people I've spoken to that have had even wild success didn't actually start with that end game in mind because they often go, look, you know, like the end game, when we started this business, we were young, we, we just needed to make sales and make sure we could keep the thing going. Like there was no point having this discussion about a wonderful big exit strategy. I mean, I would say it's not to, not to say that we don't, it didn't pop into your mind every now and again, you know, particularly maybe over a beer at the end of the day and, hey, geez, wouldn't it be nice to sell this business one day? Yeah, that'd be lovely. Anyway, back to the grind, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there wasn't necessarily this master plan of, you know, we're going to build to eight or nine figures and we're going to have this massive exit and it's going to happen in this year. It's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't, you don't know what the road looks like up ahead that far. And so, yeah, I mean, um, I'm curious from your own perspective, you know, from Peachtree to to, uh, to Green Pal, I mean, has has exit strategies and thinking, you know, come into it yet? Did it? Did you start with it? What's What's been your experience? Yeah, you know, I, th I think entrepreneurship is full of these dichotomies all the time. Things that that uh, that are at odds with one another. You know, do you do you just build uh, into like a blue ocean, blue ocean strategy, or do you listen to customer feedback and iterate your way to what something wants, or or do you, uh, do, you, do, you, do you raise money and, and swing for the fences or do you build a bootstrap and build a profitable business from day one? And it's like all these things are at odds with one another. And that's one of them is do you start, do you begin with the end in mind? Um, and Because if you don't have a goal, you can't score, you can't win. Or 
do not worry about that and just and just try to serve your customer and build a, a, a meaningful, impactful business. There's a lot of investors that won't fund uh, a founder if they're coming, walking in, talking about exit strategy day one, because they know their their ambition is not not big enough. So 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 that's you know that's one of those things that you know the hallmark of a brilliant mind is the ability to hold two conflicting viewpoints at the same time. I, I think that falls into that bucket. At least it has for me, because when I was starting my business, my first business, my landscaping business, I didn't believe I was going to build a $10 million landscaping business. And I didn't believe I was going to sell it one day. And if I had, I probably never would have gotten there. Um, but on the other hand, when it was time, when I, when I, when I realized that it was, I had reached the point of necessary ending with the business and I, and I needed to explore the acquisition of it, Man, I wish I had had a five-year proactive plan. I uh, wish I had begun with the end in mind because my life would have been a lot easier. I had to retroactively build a lot of things into the business, and, and I had to like really rush through those things, and it probably affected my eventual outcome. So I think it's – I really think it's, it's one of those things that the, the, the two ideas are at odds with each other. If, if, you're, if you're showing up day one and you're already beginning your exit strategy, it's kind of like – you know, getting married uh, and 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 signing a prenup, and and uh, you you're already planning the end day one. So I don't know. It, it's it's tough. I, I struggle with it. I've I did it wrong. I, I wish I had had a five year plan. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe maybe you start worrying about the end after you get past level one, two, or three, and you get some momentum going, and and you get a profitable business that's doing at least seven figures or something like that. Maybe maybe there's nuance there. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you're spot on, and I think once again, I think the journey is going to be a little bit different for every entrepreneur and every kind of business as well, right? There's, you know, overlay what we all want internally for ourselves. We are in a very large market that does have a pretty big impact on us, and so you know, you've got to be, I guess, you're sort of picking your timing in the market as well, right? So just just to add a little more complexity to the thinking, so um, right. I, I sort of liken it a bit to. Um, well, I mean, look, ultimately our business is, and this podcast, you know, even is built on the premise that we all exit our business one day, whether we like it or not, right? Like you're going to exit. And so it's, I, I think it's a bit like those old explorers, right? That get on a boat and they travel across the Atlantic or the Pacific, you know, they're going on these massive journeys, right? And I think when they get on that boat and they start on that journey, they know there's an end point. They absolutely know it regardless right you know sometimes it's they sink in the middle of the ocean but hopefully they want to make landfall somewhere on the other side of the world this is a huge huge journey so they've got an end in mind but really that exit that exit plan for them is really just looking at the compass and going yep we're facing north we're going in the right direction that's yeah. that's about as detailed as we can get about our end point at the moment is we're going in the right direction now get the sails up do this do all the stuff we got to do right but, but by the time they get further in that journey, that's much more advanced. I mean, that's when they're going to start pulling out the maps of the coastlines and going, well, how do we approach this thing, right? Like, how do we start to navigate the shores and the, the landing points and the, you know, you've got to get more detailed and specific about that part of the plan. So, um, yeah, the, the strategy, the, the, the vision never changes. That's right. That's right. And sometimes how you get there is going to change. But, yeah. <laughs> the vision and the ending may never change. The path in which you choose to get there meanders and, and iterates 
and you and you can't really plan that out as, as yeah. well as you think you can. And so and so maybe that's it. Maybe it's like there's never a change in vision. There's never a change in like your destiny. Um, yeah, I had to make a decision when when I was gonna when I started working on my second business because it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I, I made the personal decision that no matter what, I was going to be working at my, my butt off on my best idea, no matter what. So no, no matter what happened, how fast, quick or slow this project was going, or if I decided to quit and do something else, I was going to work on my best idea. So that was a, a personal decision I made that that was the vision for my life. Now, I guess, fortunately, I wasn't very creative. I've had one good idea and 11 years. And it's, it's this, it's this one, it's, it's push a button, get a gardener. And so I guess that worked out for me, but, but, but I think maybe that, that is, is kind of like as, as an entrepreneur, you make this decision to be that explorer, to go on that journey. And you don't, you know, kind of like those, those, those Ernest Shackleton quotes, you know, you, you don't really know what's in store, but you know, the vision is, is, is this different way of the world that you see it and, and you're going to build that out. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe maybe that's that's the that's what satisfies the, the exit strategy. Rather rather than saying, I think Amazon wants this thing, and so I'm going to build to that, and that almost never works. Yeah, it really, yeah. almost never works. And 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 it lacks it lacks intrinsic motivation, right? And I, I I love what you're saying there. Is that hey, whatever I end up doing, I want to do my best work and work on my best ideas, and because that actually speaks to who you are as a person and how you're going to be spending your time, right? Like there's a decision right. when we get up every day to say, well, what's going to be my approach and what is my attitude and how am I going to feel about my day? All of that is a choice you can make, and right. and it's interesting, you know you take that principle and apply it even to exit planning. You know, I'm always chatting to, to owners who are thinking about getting out, whether it's, you know, in a, in a year or in 10 years and saying, you know, before you get sort of caught up in what you want for the business and the money and the this and that, have start asking yourself really the big questions around what do I want as the human who sits behind this business? You know, like, how do you want to spend your time? Who do you want to spend it with? What are the sort of the things you want to be doing day to day? Because, you know, in fact, I had a friend over last night. They, they were talking about um, about you know their next stage of life, and she actually said, you know, I'm, I, I've started on this path. I can I can do this. I've realised now I can go down this path. But I find myself asking a question of, well, actually, do I want to do that? <laughs> yeah, you better make damn sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Look at the day-to-day stuff you're going to be doing, right? Because if you just say, hey, I want to be a successful eight-figure entrepreneur, well, that's lovely. But if the path to get there is so painful that you hate yourself and you've ruined the rest of your life and you're just miserable, well, that's not a really great journey you probably want to go on. So, Exactly. I, and, and, and I went through a, an existential crisis when after I sold my business. It was my identity. I had ran that business from the age of 18 to 33 and and, and the hundred some odd people that worked there were my family. And, and uh, when I, when I sold the business, it was like a piece of me was gone. It was, it was, it was like going through a divorce and, and wow. uh, it was really tough and, 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 and sold the business in six months. I was out of it. And, and I remember I was sitting on a beach in Costa Rica trying to live the good life. And, and I, and I realized that over a course of like three weeks, the biggest problem I had faced was, that the bar ran out of my favorite type of tequila. And I thought, 
oh wow, this is this is not good. Like I'm, I'm, my life is more 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 meaningful than this. I need to have challenges and a project and goals. So that's when I made the decision to try to go out and start a tech company. And and I'm glad I did that because because I because if you're doing business, if you're really trying at building your business, you will evolve into a whole new person every two or three years. And I'm the totally different person than I was before I started this company. And, and I'm grateful for that. That's one of the cool things about it. Yeah, absolutely, right? Because it's a journey. In the end, it's a journey. And if you're not enjoying that journey, like, man, forget, you know, yes, there are destinations or what I prefer to just call milestones in life, right? Like as, as there's, you know, you're achieving certain things before you attack and change course and do something different. But you know, I, I do want to unpack how you started Green Power and some of that journey because I think there's a lot of interesting things here from both doing a startup but also going into the tech space because it's, you know, it's everywhere these days, right? People thinking about tech and how it's impacting our world and all this sort of stuff, you know, and I'm learning more and more about chat GPT and I'm like, geez, man, it's a different world than what I grew up in. But but if I could just, can I rewind a little bit back into sort of Peace Show because you mentioned there about selling and feeling like you're losing a part of yourself. And I just, I'd love to unpack this part of the journey where somewhere in there, you've kind of made a decision, okay, it's time. It's time to sell this business. Um, what, when did that come about and what was that part of the process like for you? Yeah, it's a great question. I guess so I, I, folks ask me quite often, hey, I want to sell my business like you did. I hate running my company. It's a hassle. The people that work for me are ungrateful. The, my competitors are unscrupulous. Um, the tax man is killing me. Uh, regulations too much. I, I hate it, and I just want to get out of it. And I, and so, how'd you do it? And I, and my answer is like, you know, if you hate running your company, now is not the time to explore an exit because. By the time somebody's going to want to buy your company, you're going to love every corner of it. You're going to fall in love with it again, and, and, and so so now that is not the mindset in which that you can you can get a business acquired in most cases, and that's kind of how it was for me. Um, I had reached a point where I didn't hate running the business, but it was no longer fun and interesting to me, and I had reached a point of of like I plateaued. You know, I mentioned earlier. You know, you evolve as a whole as a whole new person every two or three years if you're if you're growing and scaling a business, and that that kind of plateaued for me. I I had, I had been stagnant for two or three years, and it wasn't like I conquered the world or anything. But in, in my market and where I operated the business, it was one of the, the biggest companies in the space, and and I and I think I had reached a point where where I was no longer like mentally intrigued by it, and that set in for about a year. And I thought, man, I'm going to try to sell this thing. And uh, from the moment I had that idea to the day I got it acquired, it was like two and a half years. Uh, and so I had to, I had to rebuild the, I had to take it down to the studs and rebuild it from the inside out, and and build in the the kind of management structure and systems and processes that that national companies were looking for, and had to overhaul the accounting to gap accounting, which that took a lot of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And so by the time I got done with all that. I almost fell in love with the business all over again. I was like, man, this is great. It's making more money than it ever had. And, and I don't have to like deal with this BS every day. It's got people in place for it and stuff like that. So, so that's how I experienced it. Um, and, and uh, I, I think that's important for anyone listening to this who wants to sell their business is that if you hate, if you hate your business, 
and and you and you don't enjoy running it, now is not the time to try to sell it because nobody's going to want to buy your your set of problems. And as the founder, as the founder, I'll make one last point. As the as the founder, you get exactly the the company culture, the enthusiasm, the vibe, the 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 joy that you deserve. Because it is a reflection of you. It's a reflection of your attitude. It's a reflection of your enthusiasm. It's a reflection of your effort. It's a reflection of it. It's basically scaffolding around you. And I had to come to that realization. And it took like almost three years to fix it all. There's an enormous amount of gold just there, Brian. Like I, I and I 100% agree. Um, you know, when you're in a bad place, hey, the culture does fall to you, right? You know, there's a there's a great book, The Fish Rots from the Head. You know, <laughs> like if if this if the whole thing stinks, well. It's time to look in the mirror yeah, <laughs> and, and, and realise who's responsible for that because, you know, you're the only one who can affect that change. But, you know, you talk about selling and I've seen this before as well. It's one of the, one of the premises of our business is that business owners would come to me and say, Simon, help me sell. I'm, I'm ready. And I'd kind of look under the hood of the business and go, you've made a decision you're ready, but your business is not ready. And <laughs> if you go to market now, <laughs> you know, like, could we sell it? Probably. But you are not going to get what you believe this thing is worth. And you're right. Nobody wants to buy your problems, right? Like it's um, – so, hey, you know, it's – and I love the fact that you mentioned two and a half years too, right? I'm always saying to people, people – some people are surprised even when I tell them, if, I, if you and I start working to that together today and I'm going to sell your business for you, you've got to give me at least 12 months. So I might get it done in six. I might get it done in nine. I might get it done in 11. But – Give me 12 months because some have taken longer, most don't, but at the end of the day, you need to allow for a proper process. Now, that's assuming you're happy with the valuation today, you're happy with the timing, the terms, you feel like everything's in place. If that's not the case, then you need runway, man, and that could be a year, two years, three years if you want to change your strategy. So, And, and be ready to roll your sleeves up. You know, 12 months and, and, and you're going to work harder than you've ever worked uh, getting this thing ready. And and uh, be 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 willing and open to change and improvement. A lot of times, I, I was guilty of this. You know, you ran things a certain way for so long, you don't want to go backwards and change things, and that's hard. You know, especially if you've always done it that way. And so you got to be open to that too. You got to be open to make the changes in the business. Uh, almost take the business down to the studs is what is what I had to do, uh, and that's why it took me almost three years. The amazing insights there, Brian. What what happened when you started the process? So you, you've you've gone through all this hard work. You're obviously in a much better, better mental state about the business and how you feel about it. But what did the actual process of selling look like? Did you engage advisors? How long did it take? What what did all that sort of piece look like? I made one good choice, uh, one good decision, I guess you could say, is is I, I partnered, hired a, a broker that. That, that focused on our industry and, and kind of knew the industry from the inside out. And all he did was sell big landscaping companies. He didn't, cool. he didn't, uh, didn't do anything else. And so he had the Rolodex. He knew, he knew what, what, what acquirers were looking for. He knew how to put together the, the, the pitch deck. And, and, and so he had kind of been there and done that 20 or 30 times before. And so that was one thing that I did have going for me, but what I didn't, what I didn't know was, how screwed up our our bookkeeping was, how screwed up our accounting was, um, how quite frankly, how much money we were losing on on just bad 
bad uh, accounting and bad management of experience of expenses and things like that. And then also, if you you know if 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 you're running a business to sell versus running a business to keep as a legacy business to hand off to family or something one day, those are two, two very different strategies. Uh, and so you know, I'll give you one quick example. We had a we had a twenty thousand square foot facility uh, that we that you know, 90 trucks went in and out of every day. And, and, uh, I had a, I had a thesis or a, or an idea that if that place was spotless and looked like a Ferrari dealership, uh, that that would somehow manifest into quality and for our customers. And so I paid a full-time janitor to do nothing but clean this shop every day. And once every like quarter we had a, uh, uh, an outside vendor come in and reshine the floor and polish the floor, and we painted the thing. I mean, the place looked amazing, and it was because I had pride in it. I wanted our people to have pride in it, uh, and it was you know I couldn't really close the loop on what we spent on doing that. Um, so anyway, it's a long-winded story to say all of those expenses were avoidable, and 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 if I you know save twenty or thirty or fifty thousand dollars a year, you know doing that. You know, you times that times seven, or or for you know whatever whatever your 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 multiple is. So you know that fifty thousand is not fifty thousand a year; it's, it's three hundred thousand. You know, and so and, and there's a dozen of those. There's a dozen of those discretionary expenses that you might do something different if you're going to hand a business off to your children or run it for until the day you die, versus one that you're going to try and sell next year or three or five years from now. So there was there was things like that that I learned the hard way. Um, so anyway, this this broker was able to kind of shepherd us through that, and, and we were able to get some of that stuff added back in, but not all of it, and uh, and and quickly began uncovering all these inadequacies and fixing them, and then and then going to market. So from the day I hired him to the day that we actually had people come kick the tires was a year and a half, and then it took another year to get a deal done. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And that's and that for those listening, you know, that's a I think a great example of how to be thinking about it for your own business. You know, and hey, if you get it done quicker, fantastic, right? That's great. That's you know, but but be prepared. <laughs> Not nothing worse than starting a journey and it's a it's a hundred mile journey, but you only put enough gas for eighty miles. Like, come on, you know, yeah. like have enough gas for one hundred and twenty miles, and that way, if you you know if you finish early, well, that's that's great. You've still got something left in the tank. But you know, and, and, and <laughs> metaphorically, your personal psychology as an entrepreneur managing that. You know, if you think if your expectations are that you're going to get something done in six or twelve months, and it ends up, you know, ends up taking three years, your max, your yeah. expectations are all screwed up. You're pissed off. You're not making the best decisions for the business. Your people are sensing that buyers are sensing that so managing your personal psychology as the founder is critical to getting something like this done yeah yeah i want to ask you a little um sort of maybe a little bit of an offbeat sort of question in terms of you know business itself but to you know talk to two and a half years that type of journey how did you manage how was your 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 personal health how was your you know one of the things i see with business owners is they They've got their day job, right? They're busy, busy, busy. They suddenly start going down this path. And I've had business owners describe it to me as like taking on another day job because it's like, wow, uh, there's so much to do here. And, you know, if your business is big enough, you maybe have a little deal team internally and you've got a CFO and you've got other people to support you. But, you know, fantastic if that's the case. 
but there's still work. There's still time. There's effort. There's stress. And and one of the things I see with some people that goes out the window is how they're managing themselves physically and, you know, are you eating properly, sleeping properly, exercising, doing all these things that we all know you need to do if you're going to manage things the rest of your world well, right? So how did you find that for yourself? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things we all know it, uh, but it's so easy to neglect it. And I screwed that up too. I, I was under a lot of stress trying to keep the business as profitable as it could be, making all these changes, rebuilding all this stuff, um, you know, fixing all the accounting, then, you know, getting it ready, then talking and negotiating with buyers. The, 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 you know, getting it sold was, was contentious and difficult. There's a lot of retrading at the end. And so the first thing, the first thing that fell by the wayside, because I was trying to juggle all these other balls, the first thing that I, that, that I let slip was my personal health. I, I would just eat whatever I wanted. I didn't exercise. And I would go home every night and drink like three or four or sometimes six beers just, just to like cope through it. That's, that is the opposite of, of what you want to do to get through this. I mean, you really do need to prepare yourself physically like a Navy SEAL, like you're going to going to war because so, a lot of times you get a transaction done, you kind of are. And, uh, you know, if I could have done it all over again, I would have I would have gotten up an extra hour early, ran two or three or four miles, you know, drank a, a slammed a thing of carrot juice and been ready and felt good rather than just coping. I would have I would have showed up and I would have been thriving throughout the day rather than coping. Um, so screwed that up. And then and ended up, you know, when I sold the business, I was 50 pounds overweight and that took that took a year and a half to fix and, and got that straightened out. So if, if I could have done it over again, I, I would have you know, I would have made myself get up an extra hour early every day and 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 sharpen the saw, so to speak. And you know, business and and fitness, there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of, you know, like like when it comes to fitness and dieting, like you only get paid for the stuff that gets done. You only get paid for going to the gym. You only get paid for, for eating right. Like you don't get paid for, you don't get paid for thinking about what workout you're going to do or reading a blog post about a, about a new fitness, a new, 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 new keto diet or something. You don't get paid for that. You only get paid for what actually gets done in the gym and, and at the dinner table. And business is the same way, whether you're building and growing a business or scaling a business or selling a business, you only get paid for what gets done. You know, you, you don't get paid for thinking about it or strategizing about it or reading about it. So uh, there's all kinds of interesting parallels between keeping yourself in shape and growing a good business. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I completely agree. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such an interesting one because it, you know that you're in a stressful period. So logically, we step back and go, well, actually, I, I'm going to need energy to get through this. I'm going to need to be able to think clearly at still at 4 p.m. after I've done you know, two day jobs, you know, into in one day. Yeah. <laughs> and I still need to be able to make decisions and be responsive and do all this sort of stuff. So, but, oh, man, I'm tired. I don't feel like it, all this sort of stuff. So, <laughs> and I've actually even had business owners who, you know, it comes back to what you were saying before about, you know, if you're hating your business, that's a bad time to make decisions. You know, it's a bad time to, to commit to deals when you're not in a good headspace. And often you're not in a good headspace because you're tired, you're stressed, you're run down. You're not. So, Matt, if you don't, I, I liken it to a three-legged stool, right? Everyone gets it, right? You got you got business, you got your family and your friends and the the things that give you deep intrinsic personal value in your life, and then you've got your actual your health, right? Yeah, you know, 
Do you sleep fitness, eating right, da, 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 all those things, right? If you lose a leg on that stool, any one of those three things, that stool falls over. So you need to manage that as you're going. And okay, the, sta- the, the, the stool might be a little bit wobbly at different times because you're a little bit out of sync. But, you know, that, those wobbles are the signs of, you know, whether it be your body or your friends telling you, man, you're out of alignment and you need to have a look at yourself. <laughs> Yeah, you stay in a zone of being reactive. If you feel like crap, you're eating crap, you're overweight, you're not exercising, you stay in this like in this in this reactive state. You're reacting to everything and you're not being proactive about anything. And and yeah, so, you know, like, yeah. there's all kinds of things that are gonna trigger you as you're trying to sell this business. And and it's like, well, these guys came back and they've adjusted their offer because they don't recognize this this expense as an ad back. And so you react to say, well, tell them to screw off and and, uh, you know, screw the whole thing, you know, you're being reactive, you're not choosing your response. Whereas if you were proactive, you'd have, you'd have, you'd have, you'd have had two or three things already in place, knowing that might, might occur. If you don't feel good, you're always in a reactive state and you're never, you're never allocating time to be proactive about anything. And if you're going to try to sell a, a, a seven or eight or nine figure business, you need to be in a proactive state. You need to be working on things that, that are important, but aren't necessarily urgent. Whereas if you're eating crap and not exercising, you're always working on things that are urgent but not important. And so it's, it's, it's something that, you know, gets said a lot and none of us listen to it until we do it wrong. And then and, 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 and we figure out, OK, I can't do that anymore like that. Hindsight's a wonderful teacher, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's one of those things we know we should be doing right. But until you've, until you've screwed it up so bad, you have the pain, the scars. You know, you, you don't you don't ever realize it. At least that's the way I've, I've experienced it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. For, for those listening, you know, we brought out a very quick chat before we started the, the the show, and he just made the comment of, "Oh man, this journey, and I've had a lot of scars. So I'm happy to share the stories." And it's like we were having a chuckle about the fact you can't do this journey and not end up with scars, right? Like it's yeah. just that is. And you know what? It's okay to wear those scars with a little bit of pride, right? Like it's it's okay. I earned that scar, you know. Like it's um. What makes it interesting and, you know, it's what makes it uh, almost in a weird way worth doing. Uh, uh, there's a good book by a guy named Donald Miller, and he wrote he wrote a book called A Thousand Miles. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the points of the book is to live an interesting life, you have to have an interesting story. And so I'm reading the book. I'm like, yeah, that really makes sense. And then I thought, well, my businesses, my businesses have always been the storyline to my life. And it's, it's been the thing that's caused it to be interesting and the ups and downs. And, you know, you as the main character are, are going through these challenges and overcoming them. That's what makes it an interesting story, makes it a movie that maybe you might want to watch. And so it never feels that way when you're in the low. But but in looking back, you're almost always glad it happened and you're always you always overcome it. And, and uh, that's what makes it fun in a weird way, as crazy as it sounds. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Donald Miller because I'm, I'm, he does fantastic work and, you know, he does talk about having that personal mission statement for your life, right? No, we're not talking, everyone knows about having a mission statement for your business, but what about the mission statement for your life? And you're right, he talks about log lines for movies, right? Like, you know, uh, so for an example, for those listening, the log line for uh, The Godfather, you know, uh, an, an aging, you know, uh, master uh, criminal boss, or you know, looks to hand down his, his the 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 reins to a reluctant son who's about to take over in a turbulent time. You know, like it's oh man, that cool. That sounds interesting. Like I, I wouldn't mind watching that movie, right? 
So right. he relates that to to ourselves and you know, what is your logline, right? You know, and, and even Donald, I th- I'm going from memory here, but I think Donald Miller's was something along the lines of, um, you know, a guy comes for a, a young, I mean, a young man grows up poor and overcomes his challenges in, in, in learning and in business and life and whatever to grow a successful business and then impact the politics of his country and change the world, you know, like it's, Whatever it is, and I've totally butchered Donald Miller's, right? But I so apologies, Donald. But um, <laughs> trying to give the example here to anyone who might be listening that you know you need to be the architect and the author of your own life. Yeah, and and for us for us people who are crazy enough to try to start a small business, the business can be the storyline. It can be the thing that that teaches you all these lessons and it can be the thing that allows you to leave your mark and it can be the thing that helps you improve your family station in life and it can be the thing to help dig you out of a hole and maybe you know buy your parents a house or something you know it can be the thing that causes your life to be interesting and much more so than if you were working in a cubicle somewhere so, so that's how <laughs> i look at it you know there's been a lot of ups and downs 22 years of running small businesses in my life but 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 I I've always you know looking back five or ten years later the lows I'm always glad they happened in a weird way you know we might be going into a, a global recession and a lot of small business owners might be feeling some pain and so maybe that's something to think about in five years you'll be glad this happened I promise you you will it's crazy it's uh, uh, it, you uh, once again hundred percent agree with you it's. There's a song about it. I'll have to look up who sang it now. But I, I remember hearing this the other day saying, you know, it's it's like you're going through the hardest times of your life, but somewhere in the future you're going to look back at, at that period and say they were the best times of my life. You know, That's it's, crazy. it's true. You know, despite the hardships, always the hardest, most grueling things that that ultimately give you the best stories, right? Hey, I survived. Let me tell you about this, you know. <laughs> So, especially when you're having that beer and uh, and chatting with people later down the track, yeah, it's it's yeah. Hey, I I think the takeaway here is, what kind of life do you want, right? What kind of life do you want? Because you have the power and the ability to be that author and write that script. So, pick up a pen, man. And a lot of people are getting their ass kicked in, in small business. Well, that is the storyline is making your life interesting. And if you can overcome it and come on the other side of the mountain and, and reach, you know, conquer these challenges, you'll be glad you did it. That'll make your life an interesting storyline, maybe, a, you know, a story you might tell your kids one day. And that's the way business has been for me. You know, if I, it, nobody would ever hire me to do anything interesting. If I hadn't have pushed, mowed my first yard and, and set, set onto that path, then there's no telling how different my life would have been. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I I um I want to jump onto if I can. I sort of change gear here because I'm, I'm I'm keen to unpack Green Pal a little bit more if we can. Um, yeah. You know, you've come out of Petri, you've gone through this life changing event over a number of years, and then you've taken all that experience and said, "Well, I'm going to start a tech company now." And I and I'm and I'm, I do want to get inside your head a little bit on that because. Anybody who's in business today, if they're not already massively impacted by technology, then they should be thinking about how technology is changing their world. You know, and and I think you know you take something I, I you know you've called it commoditized. You know, lawn mowing is commoditized, sure, but you've taken this and built tech around it, and you're changing the game. So I'm 
what what went through your head there with tech? Did you have any experience with tech? Like what 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 was it just the wave? Talk to me a bit about the the idea and the founding and those early early sort of stages. Yeah, so so the idea was one that I observed every day running this landscaping business. People would call the office every day begging us to come take care of their basic services. We no longer did residential work. We only did big commercial work. So we would refer them out to smaller providers. So in effect, we were kind of this connector service. So I saw in analog that that technology can make this whole thing work easier. And so when I sold the business, took six months off, got bored, thought, well, somebody is going to, going to build an app like Uber or Airbnb for this industry that I know really well. And so why can't it be me? How hard could it be? And so I had the idea and it was naivete as an asset. I didn't know the first thing about how to build a piece of software. I didn't know how to build a mobile app. I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. I thought I knew everything there was to know about business, but little did I know, I, I didn't understand the first thing about running a tech business. But I recruited, didn't let that stop me. I recruited two co-founders and we started working on the idea. And, and uh, we thought we could pay a dev shop to build what we thought the app should be. So we wasted nine months doing that uh, and like $150,000 of our own money. They released this thing. It was a total piece of crap. Didn't work. Then we came to the realization, okay, if we're going to be in the tech business, we're going to have to learn how to build software. And so we taught ourselves how to code, taught ourselves how to build software from scratch. And that took a couple of years, but we got a few customers along the way, listened to them, listened to them telling us what they wish we would do to the app, make it better. And little by little, you know, we ended our first year with like 22 customers. And now we have several hundred thousand people using the app. And we've self-funded it the whole way. We haven't raised any outside capital, which is pretty rare for a tech company like ours. So yeah, it was it was naivete is what got me in the game. And then and then the, the personal kind of decision that no, no matter what, I was going to get up and I was going to go to the office and work on my best idea. And I, I had already tasted the life of no business, no entrepreneurship, and it was boring. And so I didn't want to go back to that. So kind of like by default, I was just going to keep grinding on this thing. And, and my co-founders were just as convicted as I was. And that's what got us through the first three or four years, which were the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. It's, and, and, you know, come, come full circle here on our discussions, I guess, in some ways. But you, you're now, at, you mentioned eight figures and you're, you know, pushing to nine. And is there an end game in sight? Do you guys have, have you, do you have discussions about a, an eventual exit plan? You know, in, in, in kind of like what we were talking about, it's kind of like the explorer knowing that he's going to hit ground at some point, and, and, but you don't know, you know, we don't really know how far away it is. Our, our goal is, is we want to be in the lexicon of the English language, like Uber, Instacart, DoorDash, Postmates, Airbnb, um, and we're not there yet. We're still very much a, a small kind of niche product. So we know we have a long, long much further way to go. We believe that somewhere around a couple, two, three million users um, and, and a couple hundred million a year in revenue. Um, and right now we're, we're at three to 400,000 users. So we have a long way to go. I'm going to keep doing this as long as I'm decent at it and I'm having fun. So if we get to a point where I suck and I, and I've reached the, my point of, uh, we're on the bottleneck, then we'll get a professional CEO or, or maybe sell the business, but, but I'm having fun and, and I'm pretty good at it. The team is, 45, 40, 46 people now. And so once we get to maybe 100, 200 people and, I'm, and I've never met, ran a company that size before and, and I suck at it, then we'll get somebody else to run it or then we'll sell it. 
Well, I'm going to make a pretty obvious um, prediction here anyway, is that, um, you know, I, I suggest that you're going to have a lot more knocks on the door of people wanting to buy you before you ever could reach a point that you suck and shouldn't be running your own business anymore. So, um, you know, and, and for those listening, you know what, like the beauty of building a business and doing and enjoying what you're doing every day is that you don't need to sell. Right? right, you're just doing something you enjoy doing, and you've got goals, and you've got a, got realistic ways of achieving those goals, and it's fun. And so, it's it's amazing how attractive you become. By the way, this is a personal thing as well as business, but it's amazing how attractive you become when you're a happy, fulfilled person. But also when you're a, when you're a happy business owner, you're doing fulfilling work. Your business is growing. It has purpose. You're doing good stuff in the world. That makes you an attractive business. And it's funny how people come knocking and, and want to, yeah, want to acquire you when you get to that point. And, 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 I, and I wouldn't have known to do it this way had I not done it wrong in the first company. Like I said, when I when I came to the, to the conclusion I want to sell that company, I didn't hate hate it, but I didn't love it. And so now I can kind of see the warning signals of okay, you know, this person is a rock star engineer; they're really good, but. They're kind of an asshole to everybody else. And I've seen this play out before. It's not really worth keeping them on the bus. So let's let's send them on their way. And let's 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 not let the let's not let this place become a place where not every everybody's happy to come here every day. And I've seen the early kind of warning signs of that. So I don't I don't ever want to get to a point where I don't love running the business that I'm a part of. And so you know. I'm, 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 like that's one thing that that uh, I'm always paranoid about. I guess you could say. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, once again, coming full circle again. But you know, you love what you do. You enjoy it. You're doing good things. That sets the tone for the culture for the entire company, right? And and I think I think people look to you as the leader to for that, and they feed off you for that. So it's you know what what fuel are you giving your company, right? Is it this kind of narcissistic kind of you know dog eat dog kind of fuel or is it this purpose driven I feel good about what we do and we're adding you know value to the world um, and, and we should all feel good about what we do <laughs> and it starts with you and, yeah. and as the founder day one you know level one of Mario Brothers to level 10 that is your job to, to, to foster and protect that culture protect that vibe inside the company yeah and I mean it's a reflection of you I'm, I, I, like I, I've done it wrong where where everybody in, in my business, you know, was, was kind of not pleasant and was kind of a jerk and because they were reflecting my attitude, you know? So, so it's like, you got to go through that, 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 that point of self-discovery to, to, to learn these things. Running a business is one of the best things you can do with your life to become self-aware because, because the marketplace and, and, and the, the, the culture in, in your business will always tell you everywhere you're, you're coming up short. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, the marketplaces can be a harsh world and a harsh give you a harsh reality check, right? <laughs> yeah, which is good. It's absolutely, it's necessary, right? Yeah. Um, Brian, I've been I'm loving chatting to you. I, you know, this has been been great. You know, I'm, I'm I'm so appreciative of you sharing your insights. I do want to ask you in a moment to, um, if you don't mind, sharing us with us, what is your definition of success? And it's a broad question and I'm happy for you to answer it any way you like. But before we just get to that, I just wanted to say, anybody who's um, you know heard about GreenPal and wants to know more info information, please go to yourgreenpal.com is the website. Um, we're we're gonna put some links into the show notes for, for this uh, episode. Um, but Brian, are you, are you happy if people wanna reach out to you as well and connect somewhere? 
Yeah. Uh, Instagram is the best place to find me. Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to drop them that into the show notes as well. Um, we do have a lot of people who do uh, reach out and connect on on LinkedIn as well these days. It's uh, being the business platform. I, I'd just say if, if you do reach out to Brian on LinkedIn at all, please put a note in there maybe that you heard him on the podcast. So he has a little bit of context as to why you're reaching out. Um, don't be one of these people that just sends connection requests to people. It's We're all humans here. Like, let's have a conversation. Um, but um, Brian, as I said, mate, I'm so appreciative. Um, before we wrap up, do you, is there a definition of success that, that you know, you use in your life? Yeah, you know, um, I guess it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the movie Ocean's Eleven, you know, that uh, you got a group of eight or nine or 10 friends and they're all working on a common goal and they're having fun and every one of them's good at one different thing. And, you know, like to me, like, not that we're robbing banks here, but I like to think about our business as kind of like that movie. You know, we're, we're 40 something people now. We're all friends. We're all good at one thing. We're all working towards a common thing. It's interesting. It's fun. It's exciting. Uh, you know, to me, like if I can live my life in, in that kind of dynamic, then I'm happy and I'm enjoying it. Um, that's success to me. You know, that, you know, lo lo loving what you're doing, being intrigued by it, being challenged by it. Not too much, but just enough, and and working with people that that you respect, that respect you. To me, that's fun, and and that's that's what I gauge success by. And, it, and if that gets out of whack, then I'm going to try to fix it or pull back. But I'm always paranoid to try to keep that dynamic, that Ocean's Eleven feel. I guess you say. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. It's the vibe, right? It's the vibe you have every day, where you know you get that culture. You've you've everything's humming along, and and that's that true. One plus one equals three, right? Like it's exactly. there's some magic in that little group where you know everybody knows they're doing something a little bit special, and it feels good. Yeah, there's a there's an interdependence where it's all of us are greater than the sum of the parts, and and you know that that's really what the Ocean Eleven crew was all about. The, them coming together, they were much more of a powerful force than than individually. And uh, that's 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 what that's the magic that I try to foster in our little small company that I want to protect and keep that way. Yeah, that's awesome, and a great note to end on, Brian. Thank you so much. I'm really uh, so much gratitude here, but uh, it's it's been a great chat and a great story, and uh, and mate, best of luck for the future. Thank you, Simon. I appreciate it. I enjoyed I enjoyed the talk. Excellent. Thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, please hit the uh, the links in the show notes if you'd like to learn more. Um, I'm going to repeat it as yourgreenpal.com if you want to know more about GreenPal. Um, what a fantastic business, and I think we're going to hear a lot more about this in the future. Um, and one day, hopefully, uh, when Brian does do a massive, massive exit one day, we'll have to get him back on the show to sort of unpack that next uh, stage of the journey. So thanks for all for listening, and uh, please join us for the next episode. The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable, scalable, and saleable. Wherever you are on your business journey, it's worth understanding what is driving value into your business and what could be holding you back. For more information, speak to the team at Exit Advisory Group by going to exitadvisory.com.au or send an email to ask at exitadvisory.com.au. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bedard. 
For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on LinkedIn. 